Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Porritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number one, I'll know you have a question for me or my guest. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. That's 646 646- Nine two nine two eight nine three. There's also a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight, Dave Rudbarg, a relationship coach and blues singer extraordinaire, was my guest one year ago on August twentieth, two thousand and nine. Dave had just had lap band surgery at that time, and now a year later, Dave wants to tell the world about his remarkable changes in his life that have come as a result of the surgery. You can learn more about Dave at www.coachmedave.com, and you can also pick up his debut CD at www.livinginthelandofyes.com. Dave Rudbarg, are you with me? I am certainly with you, Andrew. Thank you very, very much for that lovely introduction. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah. It's, um, It's been an amazing year. It's definitely been a transformational year for me, no question about it. So um, go ahead. I'd love to, first of all, tell people, like not everybody on the phone listening right now may be completely aware of what we're talking about when we talk about lap band surgery. So why don't you tell us about, you know, where were you before the surgery and what the surgery entailed so we can great, get a little bit of Great question, and I'm sure that I'm not going to be as technical as uh, other people. Basically, the bottom line is, that with lap band surgery, there's a small band that's put around the top of your stomach, I believe just below your esophagus, and um, it creates almost like a false stomach. And so you have a much, much smaller area for food to go into and food to um, sit in. Um, And as a result, what happens is you eat much, much less, number one, Number two, there are certain foods you can no longer eat. Um, Anything, any bread that's doughy, when it gets wet, expands. Mm. So if you eat like a bagel or a piece of pizza, it will literally choke you or it will choke me. That's my experience. Wow. And um, given the, uh, you know, just weight-wise where I was before I even, when I started in the program at NYU, um, the weight loss clinic, I, weigh, I weighed in at 334 pounds. Um, two weeks before the surgery, you go on a liquid diet basically to shrink your liver so that they can do the surgery easily and effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lose some weight during the two weeks. In my case, I lost about 18 or 20 pounds. And um, so, but I I measure the time from 
the time of my surgery. And so I was 334, and as of last Monday, I was 243. I lost 91 pounds in a year. If you're not sure what 91 pounds is, 91 pounds is pretty much what a 12-year-old boy weighs. Mm. Losing an entire human being. Um, it's, um, it's pretty extraordinary. That pretty, really is. I mean, 334 yeah. pounds is like huh? you know, three, you know, three hot checks would be 110 pounds each, right? Exactly. 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 So uh, you yeah. have four pounds left over for for a wallet. Exactly. And um, I'll tell you, it's um, you know, I can only speak as somebody who had, I you know, people talk about struggling with weight or battling weight. I hadn't struggled with battle. I'd surrendered to it a long time ago. And occasionally I'd lose some and then I'd gain it back. And I'd lose some and gain it back. And um, lap band surgery worked for me because inherently I needed something that was going to be more rigorous than I ever could be. And with the lap band surgery, if I eat something inappropriate, or I eat something too quickly, or I don't chew properly, or any number of factors, I literally have to go and throw up. I'm sorry if I'm making anyone sick, but that's the reality of it. And so I don't know about any of the rest of you, but I'm not a big fan of throwing up per se, and whatever I can do to avoid it, I will, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I did something else that um, was beyond the realm normally when people have surgery. Um, Three days before the surgery, I spoke to uh, NYU Hospital, and they said to me, okay, so you'll come on Friday. We'll call you on Thursday with the time, and, of course, bring your co-payment. said, great, and bring you 20% of the money. And I was like, what do you mean 20%? They said, Oh, well, you paid 20%. And I said, well, what does that come out to? And they said 1200 bucks. Now, I didn't have 1200 bucks at the ready. And I have some really amazing, amazing friends and people who support me and what I'm up to in my life. And one of my friends who is a mutual friend of yours, Charlie DeBenedettis, um, I spoke to him. Charlie has a company called Carpe VM where he does video marketing. Mm-hmm. And called him up, told him what the what the problem was. That was on Tuesday. On Wednesday, and remember the surgery is Friday. On Wednesday, called um, went uh, up to Charlie's office at 6 p.m. Stood in front of a video camera and said, "Hi, my name is Dave Rudbarg, and I'm. If you know me, I'm talking to you about weight loss surgery and so forth and so on. Anyway, bottom line." At 6 o'clock Wednesday, 9 o'clock the same night, the video went live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter with um, links to a PayPal account and so forth and so on. By 9.30, we had $300. Within 24 hours, we had the full amount. Wow. Now, here's the other thing, is that when I looked at the situation afterwards, I realized that there were a lot of people who loved me and supported me And I wasn't just doing this to lose weight. I was doing this to model a way of being. And um, it was really an opportunity to provide a level of leadership and a 
a level, uh, an example to people that I, you know, would be would make a difference. So when you so, say modeling a way of being, what way of being specifically? Way of being would be to um, vulnerable, mm-hmm. number one, accessible, accountable. You know, to like not just say you were going to do something, but to do it publicly and to um, be responsible for it and to share it with people and to show people that sharing your heart, sharing your vision, sharing your, what you're up to um, makes a difference. And knowing that left to my own devices in the dark little recesses of my heart, I don't always keep my word. Um, I spoke to Charlie about eight days after the surgery and said, you know, people were amazing and gave me a lot of money and I, I'm gonna, I want to post a video thanking them, but that's not enough. And so what we came up with was that every four to six weeks, we would post a new video showing my progress. So if you go on YouTube and punch in Dave Rudvarg on my quote-unquote channel, there's literally probably about 10 to 11 videos, including one that's scheduled to go up either tonight or tomorrow. And that's really helped keep me honest and on straight and narrow, and, and people have, have loved them, you know, so. You know, that reminds me of a time, Dave, many years ago I did the Body for Life plan. I, I don't know if you're familiar sure. with it. Sure, absolutely. And I did, got into the best shape I was ever in my life. And while I did it, I kept an online, this was before blogging. This was in 2001. They did, the blogging wasn't really out yet, so I just made up, I had a web, a web page, and every day I would put a new entry on it of mm-hmm. what I was doing, pictures of the food I was eating, and basically a diary of my food, whether I you know, messed up or did what I intended to do, uh, what I did at the gym. Right. And, and, uh, and it was a, an amazing journal that is still yes. up there somewhere. Um, but I did it when I – and it, the point of view that I had at the time was very similar to yours. Was I figured if by putting that out to the world, I was having – Sort of using the world as my accountability partner, because I yes. if I put it out there, I have to do it. Right, exactly, exactly. And you know, I mean, I also participate in a couple of communities. It, it's been fascinating. Is that even before I had the lap band surgery, one of my clients, I have a you know relationship coaching practice, and one of my clients called me up and said. You know, the gym right next door to where you work is having an amazing deal. You really should join. And I went, checked it out, and while it was a little bit more expensive than I would have liked to have spent, I really saw the value. And um, not only in terms of working out what it can provide for me physically, but in terms of being known in the community around the area where I work, which is West 67th and Columbus Avenue. And a year later, I'm having people come up to me either at the gym or in the Starbucks that I work in and coming over to me and saying, you know, we've never met, but I've been watching you for the last year and you inspire me. Or I can't believe how much weight you've lost and it's amazing to see and, oh, my God, I'm just so proud of you. And these are not people that I know. People I know are are very forthcoming with their praise, which I Mm -hmm. greatly appreciate. But, um, 
knowing that it that it's inspired somebody or made a difference is is huge, and that's been great. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, and I, I do, I've, I've been unabashed in sharing it. And I've had people, you know, there's, by the way, I mean, there's a lot of support for people who've had lap band surgery. NYU, where I had it done, has, a, has an on, uh, online support group. They have a group that meets every, once a month. There's a group on Yahoo called Smart Bandsters, and they support people in what they're up to. And because it's a... Um, it's not just, well, you know, you get this band and you can't eat as much and everything's handled. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. You know, there's a woman named uh, Tammy St. Clair who is the patient coordinator in NYU who's become a really dear, dear friend. And Tammy compared the first year after having lap band surgery to being in recovery. And... Um, Anybody who's been through recovery or been in any sort of 12-step program, it's very similar. And um, one of the main things is that, you know, I can't physically eat what I used to be able to eat. I can't shovel in my mouth what I used to be able to shovel in my mouth. And yet in my head, I want to. Have you had moments where you started to and forgotten that you can't? Um. I have not forgotten, for example, I mean, I haven't even tried to eat pizza since the surgery. Um, Everything is relative. I mean, you know, it's like um, my big snack now, to answer your question, my big snack now is like soy crisps and salsa, right? That's like a big snack for me. And... If I forget that I'm no longer the same person, I will shovel it in. And then suddenly there's a tightness in my chest. And that tightness is to say, you know, for want of a better phrase, schmuck, (laughs) what do you think you're doing? And then I have to stop. And sometimes I have to go throw up. But most times, especially with that, I just have to stop and breathe and take it easy, you know. So I don't forget, and sometimes, you know, they refer to the um, to the band, quote, the fickle bitch. <laughs> and that's because sometimes she lets you eat whatever you want, and sometimes she doesn't. And it really depends on many factors, including stress level, um any number of factors, you know, and so it's um, it's a crapshoot, and you know you do the best you can. You do the best you can with it. Um, I would I would just imagine that would be quite quite uh, unnerving, like those moments where, like you say, you, you haven't forgotten, but you also sound as sounds like you're saying there are times when you have a momentary lapse. Absolutely. I mean, I have a lapse in terms of the the physical practice of eating fast or something like that, but it never dawns on me um, to, like, go have a cheeseburger because I can't eat eat bread. So, you know, it's like I wouldn't set myself up for that. On the other hand, I can eat meat, you know, albeit I have to eat slower and I have to cut smaller pieces, I have to chew thoroughly, and... 
you know, there'll be times when I can finish off, you know, some, and there are other times when one or two bites, and you know what, I'm done. Wow. I'm just done. My body is like done. So, you know, it, um, it really, really depends. The other things that you can't do, you can't eat and drink at the same meal. Or, you know, similarly, you have to drink first and then eat. Because mm. that, that doesn't work. But um, so the physical manifestations are considerable. The emotional ones are really the ones that are where the growth is. You know, and just being willing to feel all the feelings that come up. You know, because food for me was my drug. I even was, is my drug. You know, and it's rough when, when I am hungry or lonely or tired or whatever. I want to turn to food and more often than not, I can't mm -hmm. or not the way that I've known myself in the past. I'm just thinking that like, drug, uh, food is a drug for you when you're living in a town in New York where every, every street there are many, many dealers. Dude, I work in Starbucks. I, I am a drug dealer. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I hand out apple fritters all day and, uh -huh. and muffins and, you know, all these things that, you know, fortunately, I can still have crunchy things. So okay. about once or twice a month, I will get a nice-sized chocolate chip cookie and just thoroughly enjoy it. Oh, wonderful. Thoroughly. And because that's one of the other things is I don't think I appreciated food as much as I do now, even though I'm eating less. Whatever mm -hmm. I do eat, I appreciate. I also relate to food as fuel as opposed to as a drug or a way to keep me numb. So. I always remember a friend of mine who was like a bodybuilder kind of guy, and he used mm -hmm. to say, I, I, don't, I don't live to eat, I eat to live. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, 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 yes. And um, for me, it's also been a matter of, you know, kind of restricting myself to about 1,000 or 1,100 calories a day and of that, um, the recommendation is that I get, or anybody who's had lap band surgery, get a minimum of 100 grams of protein a day, mm -hmm. which means you got to be selective with what you eat. Sure. And you got to get the biggest bang for your buck, which, you know, I'm committed to doing. That's great. You know. So I want to I want to get get some sense from you. Okay, before you had the surgery, you as I said, as you said, you were three hundred and thirty four pounds at one time. Right. What What was your life like? What were some of the things you could not do at that time that you wanted to do? What How did it affect you? You know, here's the thing: there weren't things that I didn't want to do. There were things that I was clear I couldn't do, that I was resigned I couldn't do, and that. Um, I pretend it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, anything physical, um, you know, just participating in sports, long walks. I'll be very, very honest. Sex, not so much. At three and three, 334 pounds, and again, I can only speak for myself, but as an obese man, um, performing, number one, attracting women, mm -hmm. 
you know, a lucky break at best, at best, um, number one. And number two, um, you know, I'd say not impotence, but certainly not uh, potency at a moment's notice. Okay. That's, that. I mean, that's straight talk, you know. It's, it's really, that was one of the, the main factors in my choosing to have the surgery, you know. Um, you know, just I, I wanted intimacy, and not just sex, but I wanted intimacy, number one. And number two, more importantly, as a, as a coach, you know, I wanted to be able to be an example for people to look to, whether they worked with me or not. I want people to be able to look and say, you know what, that guy walks the walk and talks the talk. And being 334 pounds and wanting people to go out of their comfort zone and have breakthroughs in their life, it was like I, I didn't get that there was, a, for me, there was some integrity missing in that. You know, I'm asking people to, to check themselves, to look at themselves, and yet I'm hiding under 334 pounds of weight. So is it possible to be that big and have the integrity, or is that just, is this personally for you, or is that... Yeah, I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for me. Right. So it's for me, no. For me, no. It was an integrity issue. You know, it was... It kept me from loving me. And I think one of the things as the weight has come off is it's sort of like, um, I think it was Leonardo da Vinci who said that the way he sculpted David was he just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and, and sculpting, and finally everything that wasn't David was gone. Wow. And that's kind of the way I feel about myself is, you know, there was a lot of stuff covering up. And now, you know, having lost 91 pounds and just feeling a greater sense of um, connection and being able to connect with people. Because I, I will say that I think there's a tremendous prejudice in this country against fat people. I think it's not okay to be fat in America. I don't know what it's like in other countries, but... Well, could you give you know, me some examples of, like, some of the things you came up against as when you were 300-plus pounds, and, and what are some of the differences you see today? Um, I think um, well, I'll give you an example of something my mother said to me, which was interesting. I went to visit her on last Thursday, and I only see her about once every three, four months, um, but this is the first time in a couple of months we'd spent so many really quality time together. And she looked at me, and what came out of her mouth was, you know, now that you've lost all the weight, your shaved head doesn't look so weird. <laughs> now, my mother's 87 years old. God bless her. So at this point, the filter to her, between yeah. her mind the and her... Gone. The filter's yeah. gone. Oh, yeah. And it's fine. You know, and, and I love her, and I appreciate her. And, you know, she's just saying what 
what other people think, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that, you know, there's, there is a prejudice, you know, and how, how fat people, heavy people are portrayed in, in life is that we're out of control, we have no control, and uh, that we're basically a mess. And I think it's I think it's really sad. And you know, I didn't want to lose weight so I could be better thought of. I want to lose weight because I want I didn't want to die. You know, I'm 56 now, and I didn't want to get diabetes. I didn't want to lose arms and legs and toes and fingers. I didn't want to die. And I wanted to, I didn't want my legacy to be donuts instead of my legacy being, you know, being in love with a woman and having an amazing sex life and amazing intimacy. You know, and I knew that if I didn't cross the line in the sand, that wasn't going to be possible. So when, when, when you, speaking of putting a line in the sand, when was that, that you, how long before the time you started looking into this, between the time you said, I got to do this, this is happening? Yeah, so I, I would say that I went to, a, first of all, I want to give credit where credit is due. The woman who really spoke to me most authentically and most rigorously about it is a woman named Meryl Scher, who I knew from from different seminars that I've been in and so forth and so on. And, um Meryl spoke to me at some length, suggested NYU, suggested her surgeon. His name is uh, Marina Curian. I went to an information seminar, listened to them, and so it took me about three, four months after going to the seminar to pull the trigger, as it were. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't want to. I didn't want to give up my right to have apple fritters whenever I want and all these different things. I think the bottom line when it finally, finally came down to it was nothing was going to change. It just wasn't. I had to come to terms with left to my own devices. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I was prepared to choose donuts and death over losing weight in life. And when I realized that that was, that I was prepared to choose that, I knew I had to do something drastic. So I entered the program at NYU. Um, and um, <laughs> July 31st, I played a gig with my band at Hill Country Barbecue, had my last, what I would refer to as my big meal or to coin a phrase, the last supper. <laughs> then I think that phrase may have been used elsewhere. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to check on that. Um, August 1st is when my fast started, and I ended up fasting while I was at a Met game, which gives wow. you some idea of my commitment that I was able to do that. Hot dogs, um, hot dogs, pretzels, exactly. pretzels. Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> So it was uh, it was confronting, and um, you know the surgery itself. I just want to mention the surgery itself is rather non-invasive for the most part. I mean, it is surgery, 
and it is um, it's something that within 20 minutes of getting up to my room, they wanted me to start walking. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was back at work in four days. So this is, I want to make sure that people know we're talking about lap band surgery, not gastric, not gastric bypass where there's actual cutting and so forth. This is a band is inserted, you know, arthroscopically, and it's all very, very simple. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just, it was you know, it's This amazing. band is like, unlike, unlike gastric bypass, is gastric bypass the same thing as bar- bariatric, by the way? I've heard the term bariatric yeah. surgery. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I think that bariatric refers to the entire field. Okay, gotcha. Not. So uh, any uh, either thing could be bar- bariatric then. I believe so, but okay. again, hopefully some of our some of my friends and people in the community uh, know that we're on tonight, and hopefully they'll be calling in who can clarify some of these points. But uh, yeah. Yeah, let me remind people listening, if you would like to call in with a question or a comment uh, for Dave, it's at 212, I'm sorry, 212, 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. And uh, we also have um, uh, a chat room that's available. Uh, we have a few people in the chat room. Any of you in there would like to post a question? Please do. It'd be great. Okay. So, awesome. what was now? I forgot the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> this darn brain of mine, right? Hmm. Mm. Um. Oh, okay. I remember now. I was going to ask you. The the lap band is is that like that's something that could be adjusted or even taken off, and it's not so, it's not a permanent. percent Right. It is. It is. Um, it can be adjusted. Uh, the way they adjust it is by putting fluid into the band. There's a little post in my stomach where they can just literally inject fluid in. It doesn't. It's not. Again, it's not surgery, and it doesn't bleed, and there's nothing wrong. And to give you an idea of the difference, the amount of fluid it can make is that. Let's see. We are in August now. So at the beginning of July, when I went to get weighed, I discovered that I had, in fact, quote-unquote, only lost three pounds in about six weeks. And I was not happy about it. And I asked them to put more fluid in my band, which they did. And the following month, I've lost 10 pounds. Ah. And because I can't eat as much. And again, you know, this is all relative. you got to remember that I'm a man who could, at my peak, eat anywhere between 3,000 to 5,000 calories a day easily, easily, not a problem. So to go from that to eating 1,100 calories a day, I also want to mention that I work out three to four times a week and usually burn anywhere between 500 to 1,100 calories at a workout. So if I do eat something like a chocolate chunk cookie, please be aware that I make sure that I'm going to work out, if not that day, then the next day. So that's very important. It's not just the surgery. It's not just watching what I eat. Exercise has been a huge part of this, huge part. 
Uh, that is so great because, you know, I mean, I've known you a long time, Dave, and I could re- remember a time when walking even would be a challenge at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And now it's amazing. Awesome. I mean, I just zip around, you know, and I, you know, it's great. It's really, really an amazing experience. You know. Can you ride a bike? Oh, yeah. Well, I could ride a bike before. I haven't, I, and it's funny, a number of my friends are big bike riders, so that may ultimately be something that uh, that I do. You know, my, my, my exercise pretty much right now consists of doing uh, treadmill at, at as high a uh, incline as possible mm-hmm. and as fast as possible. Right. So, you know. And that and that's shown up also. I mean, I went for a um, uh, a conference. We're getting re- I was getting ready to to be one of a team of men leading a a, tra- a uh, men's weekend a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And in preparing for it, we met in the country, and there was an exercise as part of the training to walk through the woods. And in the past, I would have walked through the woods and been very confronted and. Yeah, I would have been tired, and I would have been this, and I just zipped around. I mean, it's really extraordinary, really, really wow. extraordinary. So, I mean, that in and of itself has been remarkable. And anybody, by the way, anybody who wants to see the physical change um, should go on my channel on YouTube, which is Dave Rudbard, D-A-V-E-R-U-D-B-A-R-G, and see the transformation from August to now. From August 2009 to now, it's been outstanding. You know, really, really phenomenal. You know, it's, it's, it, it occurred to me that today is August 16th, mm-hmm. which uh, happens to be the anniversary of the uh, death of Elvis Presley. Yes. Um, which resonates just not only because you and I are musical people, but he's a guy who. Um, might have benefited from this. No question. I mean, you know, um, I mean, again, you know, I, I read this great quote from Kelsey Grammer, you know, from Frasier and Taxi, and he said, uh, he said, addiction is unexpressed grief. And I think that's mm. very powerful. And, you know, I mean, anything that we use to numb ourselves on an ongoing basis is something that, you know, we should consider we have, if not an addiction to, certainly a a strong attachment, you know, and we find things to, like I said, to numb ourselves. And I think Elvis, you know, what I know about him, you know, what I've read is that at some point he just like he, he didn't know how to connect on any other level than being Elvis the entertainer mm-hmm. and Elvis the star and um and sad and you know there was just some core shit that you know he never dealt with you know you also have to remember it's 30 1977 when he died. So that's what? How many years ago? Thirty uh, a lot. years ago. <laughs> you 30, know, and 30 something that years wasn't. 
that wasn't something as men that we were prepared to do. Mm-hmm. You know, men are not supposed to be weak. Men are not supposed to hurt. We're supposed to just be strong and stoic and move on. and Suck it up. Suck it up. The only problem is when we suck it up, we suck it up by becoming alcoholics. Mm. We suck it up by becoming obese. We suck it up by becoming any sort of addict you want to think of. Or we, we suck it up by, you know, dying on the toilet bowl in, the, in our early 50s or our mid-50s being the, the, the most famous person maybe, you know, outside. Oh, you know, Elvis was 42 years old, not even 50. Two, 42. 42 years old. That's the thing. I mean, he That's looked. Right. He looked in his 50s. Yeah, absolutely. See pictures of Elvis around that time, and he's he's bloated, and he's, you know, and again, this is not talking down about him as, quote-unquote, an obese person. It's talking about him as an unhealthy person. Right. And see, that's been, that's been the other thing that's been extraordinary in this transformation is looking at videos or pictures of myself from a year ago and how unhealthy I look mm-hmm. and see the difference. So could this or something like this have made a difference to Elvis? Possibly, especially if he was willing, which is the my favorite word in the English language. If he was willing to have it make a difference, it could have made a difference for him. Right. You know. So. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Here, so, uh, so tell me some of the other ways that having this happen has impacted things that you do, re- relationships, family? Mm, mm. I think, um, I think, number one, my, my confidence level has grown tremendously. Just getting dressed in the morning, liking the way my body feels has made a huge difference. Um, Again, mentioning my mother, I think my mother is happy about my weight loss. Um, a number of my relatives who've seen it, you know, appreciate it and so forth and so on. I I think, um, you know, I I just, you know, I feel more confident when I walk into a room. I feel like I fit. I'll give you an example. Andrew, you know, actually, you had a birthday party when, two, three weeks ago? July 22nd, yes. You turned, what, 26, 27? 20, 20, 26 in the dog years, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. I mentioned to somebody, and I don't think I told you this, but a year ago, if you had had the same party in the same place, I would have walked in and probably left soon after. Not because I don't think the world of you and not because I don't love to celebrate or sing karaoke, but it was in kind of tight quarters. Mm. And add 90 to 100 pounds onto my body in the space we were in, I would have been a wreck. I would have been uncomfortable. 
I would have been in the way. I wouldn't have the confidence to schmooze and flirt the way I did. And you had wonderful women to schmooze and flirt with. God bless you. Um, so, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, it also, here's the other thing. There have been people who have been wanting me to deal with my health forever. And when they see that I'm finally dealing with it, they feel like they were able to make a difference, even if I, I, you know, had it in my head. And even if they weren't, quote, unquote, the ones, Mm -hmm. it feels like their words did not go unheeded. And that makes a difference. So you are coachable. Shh. It's a secret. (laughs) Secret. You know that one of the great secrets of being a coach is that we're basically uncoachable. (laughs) why we like to coach people uh, now i listen i here's the here's the reality yes reality is that as a coach there is no integrity if i'm not coachable it's really just like one of the basic core pieces mm-hmm. me of integrity if i'm going to ask people to be coachable i have to be coachable right you know and be willing to confront the areas where I've not been a request or have not been willing to be a request. And that's a, and that's a challenge. What do, you, what do you mean by a request? I'm a little um, not following the language here. Fine. Okay, so what I mean by being a request for coaching is... <laughs> uh, when you're when you're 334 pounds, people walk over. I'll, I'll speak personally. When I was 334 pounds, people would come over and tell me how to lose weight without my asking. Right. Without my asking, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't go. I'm unhappy. Please tell me how to lose weight. I'd be eating an apple fritter, or I'd be having a cup of coffee, or whatever I'd be doing. And somebody would say to me, you know, I'm really concerned about your weight. I want to talk to you about it. But I wasn't a request for coaching. Right. I was surprised they didn't know the simplest way to tell if I was a request for coaching around weight. By the way, here's a, here's a tip for all the people listening. If you want to know whether or not the people you love who are obese want you to help them lose weight if they're obese they don't want your help Hmm. if they wanted your help they would ask what happens when you offer help and we're not a request I'll speak personally if I'm not a request and you offer help I'm actually going to hear it differently than you mean to I will hear it as criticism. I will hear it as being uh, invalidated. I will hear it as something is wrong with me. That's how I will hear it if I'm not a request for coaching. And then, you know what I'd probably do a year ago? If I felt invalidated, guess what I would go do? I give up. How about go eat? I was, actually, that was my next guess. <laughs> So, you know, this is really a comment for all the people 
who love people in their lives, who are fat, who want to make a difference, and why don't they get it if they only... No. So, no that's, by the way, it's an interesting point around not uh, being a request for coaching, as you put it. I would imagine that's something that can operate anywhere where coaching is a possibility. Absolutely. I think that... Um, well said. Well said. I know that you and I both participated in enough uh, transformational educational seminars to know that one of the possible pitfalls of participating is that, like I said, everybody thinks it's okay to offer you their opinion slash coaching before you've even asked for it. Right. I actually had the experience of, you know, after I'd lost about 30, 40 pounds, of having a woman call me up and tell me, you know, if you'd used this product, you wouldn't have had to have the surgery. Wow. And I was stunned, and I said to her, do you have any idea how stupid and cruel you are? Any idea. Yeah. And she totally couldn't see it. It was just, you know, like I said, for me, this experience has been about being willing to look at myself in a different way. It's been about, am I willing to be a different man? Am I willing to not carry around 125, 150 pounds of excess weight? Am I willing to be, am I willing to be sexy? Am I willing to be in great physical shape? These are the questions. That sounds like you're now willing. No question. Yeah. <laughs> no question. I mean, you know, I just came from a get-together that uh, a coaching client of mine invited me to at the Empire Hotel mm-hmm. up on 63rd, 64th. And, uh, you know, I walked in, and I just felt like I could pretty much talk to anybody. I ended up, of course, as most places, talking to the bartenders mm-hmm. and had an extraordinary conversation. Two amazing, beautiful women, both of whom were up to great stuff in their lives. Mm-hmm. Because I feel good about me, I can celebrate them. I can appreciate them. I can enjoy them. And that's, that's another benefit of feeling better about myself is if I feel better about me, I have more room to feel better about everyone. That's great. You know, and especially I I actually have a picture in my mind of a time when you and I were at a a networking event. Right. And I watched you in action, and this was you well before lap band surgery, and I just looked like, what an amazing guy. You're just able to have these amazing open conversations with these total strangers who within very short order was like I just love this guy Dave's great like where'd you find him and and now the same guy the same personality the same willingness to open his mouth combined with the with the confidence that you now have about yourself that's very powerful very powerful and I'll tell you something you know I remember you know where we were and what we were doing and there was no way that I could have believed at the time. And again, 
I want to make sure that people listening get this. I'm not talking about that my experience is the experience or the way that anybody who is heavy feels. I want to make sure that I'm not speaking for all of mankind. I'm mm-hmm. speaking me only. Right. My experience was that as an obese man, and, you know, where I was at is if somebody was being cordial, social, appearing to enjoy my company, my perception was they were doing me a favor and they were being nice. And now that is not the case. Now I bring a greater level of integrity. I bring a greater level of um, gratitude and of authenticity. And so what happens is, you know, it's very different. I feel, I feel, to coin a phrase that a lot of people have told me, you know, who I am to them, is I feel like a rock star. That's how I walk in. That's the swagger that I have. And that's definitely gone up since the lap band surgery. No question about it. No question. That's awesome. Now, yeah, I have a question, by the way, for you from the chat room. Excellent. Lily from the chat room says, if I understand correctly, this procedure is a weight loss measure, also something very personal for an individual. Are there any limits on the amount of weight one would want to lose, too much or too little? Great. To the best of my knowledge, there, there is a, um, a formula that they use. So this is, again, my best guesstimate is you have to be at least 80 to 100 pounds overweight. It's not for someone who has to lose 20 pounds. It's somebody who I think has to be at least 80 to 100 pounds. Again, don't quote me. If you go on Google and you Google this and you look up lap band surgery, they'll give you the formula, but um, this is not for somebody with 20 pounds to lose. So oh, somebody, okay. And it sounds yeah. like also the question is, is there like a maximum that somebody can lose on this type of procedure? Is that if there's too much, you go to another procedure? I mean, I, you know what? I, I apologize, Lily. I don't know the answer to that. I honestly don't. Okay. Um, I know that people have lost. Uh, my goal weight that they've set for me is to lose 124 pounds. I know that other people have lost upward of, 250, 260. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Okay. I'm and sorry. I have another, she has another question. Lily uh, says that obesity runs in her ex's family, his mother, father, who died at 50 of a heart attack, and he. Um, and her 18-year-old son, who is fit and trim, is afraid of becoming obese. How can I make him understand that, that, this, that he does not have to be obese? You, you, you follow that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, again, I think if it's finding what's important. If it's important to your 18-year-old son to be healthy, he can actually use his family as an example of way not to be, number one. Number two, um, you know, it's not something, obesity is, again, I'm not speaking as an expert, okay? In my family, 
um, my father was in good shape and died at a relatively early age. Other people in my family have been in less good shape and lived a long time. There is no exact science, exact answer. And um, it'd be interesting to see if any of the people who have been obese or are obese in the family are willing to see what it would be like to not be in that place. But to answer the question, what can you do to take risks here? Nothing. And you know what? Maybe it's a good idea that he has it. If it's something that motivates him and keeps him focused and on purpose, then it's a blessing. Got it. Okay, so yeah. we're now in the uh, the the last uh, bunch of minutes in the show. We have a little bit of time left. Um, so first of all, what what is it that you would personally like to put out there to people who are like we're in the same kind of a place where you were a year ago? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I would say is, you know. The pain that you're in, if you're if you're over 300 pounds and you don't feel good about you and you don't feel good about your body and you don't know what to do, the first thing I would tell you is, man, you're already wonderful, you know, and if you want to do something about your weight, find a reason that motivates you, just you. And if you want to do this... You should go online, check out NYU's weight loss uh, program, any number of the programs, but NYU is the one, obviously, that I went to. And find a reason that's bigger than, as they say, your right to be right. You know, for me, it was, did I, like I said, did I want to die and did I never want to have intimacy again in my life? And those things were both the answer was no was only no, it was hell no. And um, and there is support out there, and there is love out there. And, you know, you certainly, anybody who's listening to this, if you want to contact me through coachmedave.com, you know, again, I'm not holding myself up as an expert. I can put you in communication with experts, and I can just listen to you also and, you know, see if it's something you want to do. No, and just, are you willing to? Mm. Are you willing to have a body that works for you? Are you willing to go beyond where you know yourself to go? Are you willing to love yourself and to take care of yourself? You know, when the answer became yes, things altered. But it took a long time. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so um, any closing thoughts, uh, anything you'd like to uh, make sure everybody knows where to find um, you, your, that you can, here's a good chance to tell everybody once again about your CD. Well, the CD, I mean, the CD is called Living in the Land of Yes. Um, it has gotten extraordinary, amazing reviews, all of which it completely deserves. It's <laughs> wonderful. Um, it's produced by a friend of mine, Steve Gordon, down in Florida, Everyone who played on the album and everyone who had anything to do with the album all did it out of the love of the project, 
Love for me, love for Steve. Phenomenal. Um, again, it's www.livinginthelandofyes.com. You can order it from there either as a digital download or as, and or as a physical disc. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my coaching practice, there are two coaching websites, um, coachmedave.com and getrelationshipcoaching.com. And um, in either one, I'm happy to talk to people and set up a complimentary 45-minute coaching call. And if anybody wants, just contact me in terms of getting support and questions about lap band surgery. I can talk to you, and I can put you in contact with great people that know what they're talking about and really helped me get to where I am today. So, and Andrew, I want to thank you as always. This has been effortless and easy and fun, and I know that I'm very present to being heard, and that's always uh, one of the greatest gifts that that one can have. So I thank you. By the way, I have one last question. I kind of forgot to ask you this question. How has this impacted your singing? Um, it really hasn't, um, at least to the best of my knowledge, it hasn't. How it has it impacted my performing is that I move around a lot more on stage and, um, again, brings it a, a greater sense of swagger, mm-hmm. if you will. Okay. So the singing, the voice-wise, is exactly the same, but the performing aspect is... The, all- the breathing is the same as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, probably better. I'm not schlepping around, you know, 90 more pounds. So, Got it. Okay. Well, I want to thank you once again, Dave Rudberg, for having a great chat, for giving us some great great information. I'm sure you're going to inspire a lot of people now who to start looking into this as a possibility for themselves, for other people to live in the land of yes. Thank you. And uh, you can thank everyone for listening. And you can find me at www.myfuturecoach.com. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Coach Andrew. And we will be back next Monday with my very special guest, Frederick Lehrman, who is one of my very first teachers in the world of personal growth and development. And I'm really excited about that. So I hope you'll be listening next week. And everyone, please have an outstanding next seven days. And good night.